Through Courageous Conversations, the Third Thing podcast brings you helpers and healers who started out somewhere else and through life-changing experiences added something new to their lives, creating a third thing, ushering in a fresh passion to generate healing for themselves and others. I'm Stephanie Shockley, your host, and you're listening to The Third Thing. Welcome to today's episode of The Third Thing. My guest today is Susan Austin Crompton. Hello. She is the founder and director of The Estuary, a nonprofit organization offering integrative therapy, a synergy of psychotherapy and energy healing. The Estuary services help clients find connection by knowing themselves better and becoming more present in their everyday lives. Estuary is also home to the School of Healing Arts, an intensive course of study dedicated to leading their students through personal work, self-healing, and spiritual studies while enjoying a sense of community alongside other student seekers. Welcome, Susan. Hello, Stephanie. I'm glad you're here with me and my first guest on the third day. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. Well, let's get started. Um, how, what, where, where do you draw your strength in a time of struggles and what is your spiritual religious background? My spiritual religious background is very much Christian and Catholic, a Roman Catholic. And I have all kinds of gratitude for that religious training and that I remember sitting in daily mass in Latin. It gives you lots of time to think <laughs> when you're like six, seven, eight. I just dated myself. You have plenty of time to think and to understand that I always had a sense that somehow something bigger than I was was with me. Whether I was taught that or just knew that, I can't say for sure, but I'm grateful for it. And you attended Catholic school for whole uh, through the twelfth grade, uh, zero to twelve. So, so it was a, a very strong influence for me. Can't say that I'm exactly practicing at this moment. But I guess I shouldn't have said that. But that's that's the that's what the, I have a lot of gratitude for that training. So that sense that something is bigger than I that's going to be there, that I can draw from, still feels true today, whether I'm thinking about it in terms of divinity, in Kabbalah, the tree of life, whether it's chakra energy, or what kind, I, that belief or that sense that there is something there for me to rely on has never left me. Whether I came in with that or was taught that, I don't much care. I like it. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that's, that is when I'm, when I'm in trouble or when I have, which happens all the time, or when I'm in just emotional distress, I do one of two things. I meditate, I sit, I believe stillness, silence speaks to us all. And in my path, I have followed many, many roads of spiritual study and 
none of them were dead ends. They all left, led me right back to myself. Well, and the way I understand it is all spiritual principles are the same. They are, because it's like the truth is the truth is the truth is the truth. And I don't know that what I know is right. I'm not talking about writing wrong. I'm talking about what speaks to you and what, what doesn't speak to you. That's what I call the truth. So what speaks to you, not to your intellect, not to just your emotions, and not to just your spiritual body, but all three of them at the same time. For me, that's a definition of what's true. I like that. I made it up as I... That's good. <laughs> okay, so let's go back, because we're here at the estuary, but how did you get here? And I know there's a lot of pieces to it, but oh, Lord, I know yes. there was another... Life, life. Several lifetimes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's interesting because most of the people, well, everybody on on these podcasts are going to be people in this in the healing profession of some kind, but typically I find they didn't start here. Oh, no. It was a journey of some kind of life yes. process that got them here. Yes, and for me, I had a lot of lifetimes before I got here, and I know that as a child and a young adult, I was fascinated by the concept of chakras and energy work and energy fields and studied it relentlessly, but I was afraid to let anybody know. So I kept everything I studied and wrote locked up. So there was no one in my world that knew that I had this interest. So you couldn't share it with anyone? Not anyone, and I didn't know this whole study was here. So the study for me started a long, long time ago, probably in my late teens, but it was a secret self that I, to tell the truth, didn't know if it meant that there was, I was hallucinating or something. So as I grew up and had two babies and started following uh, a college professor around the country, in the early part of my life, that seeking continued. And then I finally finished college with my degree in counseling psychology and studied that psychological aspect while at the same time doing already in therapy myself and studying on my own in the secret world that I had. And trying, now I'm divorced and trying to support two kids. So I was the director of a senior citizens agency for about nine years. And, and you were in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. And then I, um, when I moved back to Nashville, I took over a chemical company and ran it for 20 years that was in bankruptcy and was good enough at it and I hated my job. And when I got, but it gave me time and it gave me money, and when I got bored enough, I started looking for something to study and started at the Barbara Brennan School, which is at the time was in New York City. Does that still exist? Does she still have She's in Miami now, or at least was a couple of years ago. I haven't checked on it lately. And went through four years of a pretty intensive study with Barbara Brennan, I got to study with Barbara herself. And then went on from there, meanwhile I'm running a chemical company that's, that's giving me time and money, which is 
pretty nice because it took a lot of time and money to do that. And I went on to study four years with Jason Schulman at the school at the a Society of Souls. And that was Kabbalist mystic Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism. Did you find that through Barbara Brennan and some of those folks? Jason was my teacher at Barbara Brennan. Oh, so those go together. They go together. I followed him out of there and into Kabbalah. And I remember sitting in Kabbalah the first day and thinking, I don't know what this is. I just wanted to be with my friends and I didn't want to stay home in Tennessee. So I don't even know what class I'm attending. And thinking from the first moment, this is what I'm looking for. And it began to pull together all these disparities in this mystical tradition that is so grounded in good old logic. And so my two worlds started coming together, my secret life and my, my secret spiritual life and my very practical, got to get on with life, make, make things work, started colliding. And well, and, pe and people think that, or some people think that energy work and some of these things are kind of woo-woo-ish, no, but they're not, they're really, they're scientific. Very scientific. Which is why I think Barbara Brennan spoke to me, because she was a physicist and a scientist, and as the result in the school I attended, there were many uh, medical professionals, um, many doctors, nurses, scientists, that all of a sudden, what I had been locking up in drawers and was very poorly written in woo-woo, was now she was applying science to it. She was, could, could explain it. She would write these intricate formulas on the board as she was talking about something I couldn't follow, but I sort of thought, well, that looks interesting. I don't know that. She could make it sound very grounded and very logical because these worlds are not so, the world of quantum physics and the, and the world of science aren't too far away from the woo-woo world, the energy world. They're, they're pretty much coming together very well right now. Well, now people don't think it's so woo-woo. No, I would But when yes. you were doing it, it was I didn't even lot. tell anybody what I was doing. I was telling my family that I was going for a workshop. <laughs> Except it was eight years long. <laughs> and so what did you do with it while you were... Did, what, were you just using it in your personal mm -hmm. life? In my personal life and for personal growth. Spent a lot of time for this whole eight years I was in a process group as well as individual therapy every week for eight years and learned a lot about myself and then had this bigger overlay of spiritual construct to put who I was finding out I was into where I was going and what had logic to it. It was so relieving at that time. You know, the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying says that until we're about 45, we are doing nothing but living out karma. And, and that means? That means if the principle or the concept of reincarnation is anywhere close to true, 
we reappear in many lifetimes to work through past life traumas and woundedness until our soul feels one with the larger cosmos or divinity or God and then is released into this oneness that Christians call heaven. And as a Christian, sometimes I don't understand that past life. Yes. And I, and I believe that we are working things out. And if I figured it all out, I will be dead. Oh, <laughs> right? that's I mean, a good point. I mean, you're yes. finished. When you're yeah. finished, you've done it. I mean, you know, so. Yeah. But remember, it takes, in this journey as humans, if this is true, and I haven't had anyone be able to prove to me adequately that it's true, but the teaching concept feels very real to me. Because think about, in my lifetime and in your lifetime, how many lives you've lived. Let's just say we're going to do that just counting the day Stephanie was born. Then it's like you have been many of yourselves. That's it's right. up to this point. So we could use it metaphorically. We could say it's just a concept for this lifetime. Or we could use it as a past life concept. And I don't know how to prove. So I just take what works for me and move on because I can't find out what's the truth. I'm the generation that decided that we could sit around in espresso houses and discover by conversation whether God was real or not. And I decided, I set out in my 20s to find out if God was true. And guess what? I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't find it. So I decided, okay, let me start there and then go forward. So I still call myself a Christian. That's still the way that speaks to my heart. But anything that makes me feel whole, whether it's music or whether it's a lecture or whether it's study, I'm after. And maybe I always was. Well, and much like yourself, I mean, I was raised in a Christian background, and not until I entered the 12 steps did I understand better the concept of God, which I think would. A lot of people get to AA and I'm like, oh no, we have to talk about God. Um, and through my studies here yes. at Ashtore, but I think that concept changes through yes. your lifetime or can change through your, through your lifetime. You're, the concept can change, it seems to me, and the experience. And that's where you come to Kabbalah. Is Kabbalah says that the experience, God is an experience that you want to have. And so whatever answers that, as long as it's within your conscience and your choice and your truth, you may do that. So that is why you're here. That is the only reason you're here, is to have the experience of one with God. And no, you don't die the next day. <laughs> And I was reading something I was going through, cleaning out a bunch of work stuff the other day, and found, um, and I've heard a lot of definitions, and it, it, when you said that, it made me think of this, uh, spiritual bypass. Yes. And how, and I think this was your explanation of it, was spiritual bypass is 
trying to trying to take ourselves up to God, but really Kabbalah being teaches. a part of God is is and Kabbalah receiving is bringing God down into our lives. Great. So we can't live in the clouds. We're living in our life. We're living in our bodies and in our personalities and in our emotions and in our. Trials and tribulations. The God shows up there. God doesn't show up as I don't have those anymore. And therefore, I'm one with God. But no, you have to. Kabbalah teaches us that God is an experience that you have in human form. I love that. And I don't think people think that. Now, that's not how I was taught. Right. I should stop being human and, and go to God, be one with God. However, Kabbalah is very clear that we must have, that's why it wasn't available to everyone before the birth of Christ. It was only taught to specialized individuals because the Kabbalah is such sacred information about receiving, you cannot say, God told me so, and then go commit a crime. You have to follow the social rules. You have to make choices that are good and healthy for you. And that's, that is a big construct for self that makes you the vehicle or the vessel to receive this God experience. It isn't like, oh, that says I can do anything I want. No, you become even more self-examining or choosing. Okay, I, I don't know where to go from here. Oh, that's a good question. Because we talked <laughs> about energy, we talked about Kabbalah, and I want to get more into that. But maybe, how did the estuary come about? And the estuary came about because, I, meanwhile, I had this business. It was giving me time and money. And as I attended the school, I had to, had no intention of starting any kind of new business. I was hoping it was finished with businesses forever. And so, while I, because I could, I rented a spot so that I could do my homework for this school that I was now traveling to New York and New Jersey to go to. And I called my friends and offered them free energy sessions if they would like to help me do my homework. No one got to tell me anything that they were doing. I did whatever healing was on my agenda to do homework for. And in order to come see me in the beginning, you had to be seeing another qualified therapist. Because I did expect the work to bring up personal issues. And meanwhile, all of these people I was seeing started sending me people to practice on. And those people started sending me family members and people to practice on. And at some point over the years, those, that little band of folks that I was seeing said, can you teach us what you're learning? Now I taught the third and fourth grade and fifth grade many years ago, and I can teach. Oh, and I know you can teach. Yeah. <laughs> How do you know? And, and so I said, sure. So I started a class that met every week, winter and summer, for a couple of hours at night, and it went on for three years. And at the end of that class, they said, can we have a certificate or something? And I said, sure, what shall we call it? And the School of Healing Arts was born. 
So I made it. That's when you had to go to Home Depot and get those little pieces, those little diploma things. You couldn't pull one off of Google. We didn't have Google. This is only the 90s, folks. But we didn't have Google in the 90s. Wow. So was this the place? I know. Was there a place before Portland, or was that the Portland place? was the first. Portland Avenue, Avenue and and then somewhere along the line is I decided that what I was finding out since I wasn't certified for insurance, that many people couldn't afford. By this time I had sold the chemical company and I had moved into a full-time practice and teaching this one class. So and then someone was coming in behind them and another group was coming in behind them. So I had this three year moving through this program. And you were so, offering this integrative therapy of healing, healing self-discovery, psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. Um, wow, okay, so then, okay, so. That's how the, and somewhere, started. somewhere in the 90s, I decided that it would be well if I had some help and financially that I could offer help to people who couldn't afford to pay me because by this time I'm not got the business anymore. So I formed the estuary and that is a, a geographic term that means many rivers coming together in one place. It's and rich water, right? It's, it's, it's delicious water, but it's full of all the trash that all rivers run through an estuary before they turn loose into the ocean. Right. And so meanwhile I was doing meditations on the ocean of God's love and the ocean of happiness and the ocean of bountifulness. So the idea of having a place where you left your trash and could find the experience of being set free out into the ocean seemed like to me it made so much sense. I and love that. I've never thought about it. I mean, I know what an estuary is. And everybody think a lot of people think it's it's a bird. It's about birds, which that's in... That I mean, they, a lot of birds are called there because there's so much garbage there, they have lots to eat. Because <laughs> rivers yeah. get dumped into, and when an est if you get to the bottom of, if you go down to the bottom of an estuary and scoop it up, you've got rich soil. I think like App Apalachicola Bay yes. is an estuary, or coming yes. there because there's a river that comes into the... Yes, I think so too. There's every river flows into an estuary before it flows into the ocean. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So I wanted a place where Christianity, energy work, Kabbalah, atheists, agnostics, Christians, evangelical Christians, we can all have some harmony and all get fed like those birds. So that we all could come together and this would be. So I formed it into a 501c3, we're a nonprofit organization. And um, the School of Healing Arts is a separate for-profit business. So you have a nonprofit piece a profit and piece. a profit piece mm -hmm. because it well and when you started I mean now there's there's 15 about 15 practitioners here but it wasn't then 
right? No, yeah. but no one could work here until they had graduated from six years of training. And so that was? Three years of auric healing, which is energy, chakras, self-discovery, looking at our shadows, finding out what our higher self is, finding what the experience of being one with God felt like, and then three years of Kabbalistic study, where it's a the intense study of self-examination and finding yourself. We're not studying Judaism I don't know much about. Even the Kabbalah, or it's an experience I'm offering under a Kabbalistic model. And that's confusing because it is confusing. There are people, I don't know if I've asked this before, but As there are people like uh, Madonna, the Red Band. Mm -hmm. That's something different. That's more like going to church versus. Yes, that's what's like, the difference between that and what you do here with Kabbalistic it, It's teaching? not like. That's a good question. It's not like the what I call that the traditional Kabbalistic teaching, which I don't have anything against. Or I've just never studied that way. I've always studied it, and my teacher taught it as a Jew. As a he was a Jewish man who taught it as an experience I was trying to receive, rather than a set of organized laws or more like a church. Yes, that I had to follow. It was an experience that I was trying to have or to receive or to know more about. So from that perspective, I didn't study it as a religious study. I studied it as a personal study, and that's how I teach it. It's a, an, a methodology for learning more about who you are and how to have this experience of oneness. And okay, so while we're talking about it, can you explain a little more about it or how it, maybe about the tree of life or shatterings or Kabbalistic healings? I don't know. I don't know. Or about yes, how, I can. how to add and have the third thing. <laughs> oh, what a <laughs> great segue. <laughs> my goodness, Stephanie. Yes, Stephanie got, as, as one of my students, got the idea of the third thing. And I, that's the good thing for us to talk about, especially if I'm first on this lineup. So the basic principles of Kabbalah is that when God enters and wants to visit you, God becomes two, and right at the crown, and becomes two beautiful beams of light going down each side of the human body and a third one coming right down through the center. So in that separation of the dark from the light, just like the yin-yang symbol, this is another ancient teaching that sort of teaches the same thing with another language. In that ancient tradition of Everything has dark and everything has light. And its experience of this tube brings in the third thing. And the third thing is the healing for those two in sort of union or joining. And that's what I like about the series you're doing because it's 
It's saying, let's look, if we mix all these things up together, what will we have? Like cooking. If I add a little of this and a little of that, if I add a little tart, a little sweet, I have the third thing. If I put sugar, we're in the south, in my iced tea and stir it until it disappears, I don't have two things, I have one thing. That's the third thing. I have iced tea and I have sugar and I put them together. If I didn't put too much sugar until it disappears, I have another thing. That's iced tea with sugar in it melted. And that's sweetened tea, as we call it. You want your iced tea sweet or non-sweet? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so as Kabbalists, we are trying to have the experience by knowing our dark and our light sides of the third thing, which is unity or oneness with a God experience. And as a student of yours, um, I like the piece, and you can say this better than I can, about language is important. We have to use language to describe things, but it doesn't really match um, a Kabbalistic experience, yes. right? Because I was going to say, it, it, when you're saying that about, um, and you didn't say this, how did you say this, all the parts of us. I would say, you know, the, the, the parts that I like and the parts that I don't like. <laughs> that's perfect. That, that, that's, yes. that's all of us. Yes. And in Kabbalistic terms, we're to accept all of that as part of us. And, and part of the, if I'm pushing away part of it, that's creating my suffering. But that's the idea, is to embrace all of that, right? Well, we embrace it to get to the third thing so that we can make a choice. So just because I'm angry doesn't mean I can take action. Really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've learned that. Did you learn that? So you learned it, whether thinking. I do it all the time is another thing, but I'm learning well, I don't have to act that. on my anger, right? Yes. I can be choose. angry, but I don't necessarily you have to act on my anger. You can choose how to act on your anger. Ah, yes. Of course you can act on it, but how? So... That's the, that's, but first we have to know what the parts are in us and before we can decide how we're going to behave or what choices we're going to make. And that's, that's the difficult part and that's where we need lots of good, well-trained helpers. Well, and, and, and it's like looking at my whole self saying it's all good, which I don't really want to use that word because that means that something's bad, but maybe it's all God. It's all whole, W-H-O-L-E. That's it. Because good is in the original languaging, whether it's Aramaic or Greek or whatever it was, always meant whole, not just good and not just bad. It's whole. So if we wanted to stay with the third thing metaphor, then there's good, and then there's dark or not so good, and then there's wholeness, which has choice in it. So if I want to take, which I think we often do, a piece of myself away because I don't like it or I don't want it to exist, or I'm then I'm not, or I'm ashamed of it, mm -hmm. then I'm not whole. No. 
But it doesn't mean you can take action on any of those pieces without the third thing, which is you, in this case. We have to have that adult in us that can look at the facts, discern what's true, make a choice of action or behavior, and that's the third thing. The third thing is you, Steph. That's fine. Well, the, the third thing may be what happens here when we do this. Yes. You know, what comes yes. of this. Yes. Um, anything else about Kabbalah? I like to talk about shatterings a little bit. Can you talk about shatterings a little bit? They came from a principle that others could probably describe better than I who know the Torah better. I came out of the Bible, the New Testament. This is out of the Old Testament. And out of that, somehow, the ancient Jewish mystics pulled the metaphor that out of oneness, God differentiated and caused a shattering. And that's the chaos theory, if you will. And that means that that's how the planets and the, this universe got created. I don't know what's true or not true. I don't argue that. I just have fun thinking about things. So I don't, don't argue what's true for any factual way. So what we have to get used to as humans is the fact that shatterings keep happening over and over and over again. And that means, remember that time when that book was around when good things happen, when bad things happen to good people. And that whole idea of what is going on when I lose a beloved other, when I discover I've made a bad choice, when I didn't take time to choose my point of action, and so I've made a bad choice that now I'm ashamed of. What is going on? And then, or I get fired. Or I get fired. Or just anything. Or, or I have a car divorce. Or a divorce. Or uh -huh. just whatever it is. That's a shattering. That's a shattering. And we all have many shatterings mm -hmm. all day, every day. So we come, but they're not large, so we don't think about it. It's like, oh, I wish I hadn't said that because I was getting tired. Or I wish that these are many shatterings that we don't even call shatterings. Shattering's a big word for it could be a big thing like the creation of the universe or a tiny little thing like I just noticed I was hungry. It could be either way. So we get, we as uh, choice-making, receiving humans get to notice them and react to them and act to them with choice and that's where the hard part comes because it takes a great deal of emotional, physical, psychological, spiritual consciousness to be in this state of pure presence. And yeah. I think that there's a new, there. well I guess it's new, I haven't heard it a whole lot, and um, emotional maturity. Yes, I like it a lot. That's that's what that we're sounds just, like to me. We're just talking maturity. about we're just describing growing up, emotional maturity. And to me, emotional maturity is fluid. So 
I'm an, I am an estuary, and many streams of thought and consciousness and awareness continue, even as it did when I was a young woman, as I'm now an older woman. It keeps flowing in. It keeps flowing in these streams of consciousness. I'm learning and wanting to know more all the time. Just like the rivers keep pouring into the estuary, and the estuary has an opening where I go, that goes off into oneness. And what keeps me happy and interested and alive is the same thing that kept me happy and interested and alive in secret when I was a younger woman, which is the curiosity of pure presence, wanting to know. I wanted to know more and more, and I still do. I'm not anywhere near satiated. I want more. And it's an energy that keeps me going and going and going. Well, and for me, what you're saying, I have the same experience. Once you start down this road, it's kind of hard to go back. And there's nowhere to stop. And I think if you get that curiosity mm -hmm. and you start on the path, it's you just pretty hard. Forward. You might take one step back or two steps back, but you continue to go to go forward, I As guess would be. Seekers do anyway. I know that frequently I will have a student that needs to that quits for one reason or the other. And I have to trust that their satiation point for that point in their life has been reached. And what worked for me may not work for another person. Well maybe sometimes they stop because they are Maybe they figured fear, out how to study, or they, yes. or something, you know, and it's just or they enough can't do for more. now, right, right. Then, or something else is going mm -hmm. on. Um, Health, divorce, children, all of these are huge um, pause points along the movement of that river called you. They're all our docks we run into, and then you have to stop and take on board new information, take care of the duties that are required of you. It's all, life is a river and it flows. And when you get stopped, you need to pay attention to that and pause and raise your babies and grieve your losses when you're ready to get back in. I, I want to go back to the shatterings for a minute because that's just made such a great impact on my life thinking about the shattering and instead of trying to push it away um, receive welcome it, it mm -hmm. or receive it because if I understand this right a shat when a shattering occurs and I'm thinking on a little larger scale um, it It leaves an opportunity for something new to be created. In is fact, Kabbalah says it always is something new. And whether or not you receive that is up to you. But see, I think that's a whole different way of looking at what we consider are bad things that happen in our lives. It's, um, and, and when I come to trust that, now, I haven't been really tried, like with my loss of a child or something, but uh, 
I've, I've had plenty of losses in my lifetime. And, and at the same time, I noticed in the last couple of big losses I went through in the last 15 years, I had went through them with such trust that is painful and as many tears as I shed or how much worry I had, there, I was so grateful for this study because there was something humming underneath the surface of me that was going, we've got to be going somewhere. And that faith, that trust, I call it trust, in life, in myself, was so comforting because although I couldn't see where I was going, I have been studying this long enough to know it's there. Well, I think sometimes uh, people say, like, there's a death. Oh, there, there's, um, there's a reason for that, and which is, uh, just that, that, that just, is, it, that, it, that's uncomfortable for me to even say. It's maybe not comforting way, to anyone we say that to. No. No. Maybe thinking of it in the way of the shattering, there's deeper meaning that we don't know about. Correct, and that I trust. That's exactly. what I trust. And it will be revealed if I look and if I, there's that word, receive it. Because I can and do have lots coming to me energetically, but I don't receive it all. And to receive, I have to do this work. You do. Right? I, I have to know me. myself. Mayor Baba, who is a, a Indian guru type from India that died in 1969, said, if you want to know God, you must know yourself. You want to know yourself. Um, I remember reading that and thinking, what on earth? I know me. I'm crying, angry, piece of crap over here. And so I know that. So now where's God in all that? And that was part of my hunger to understand. Well, that, all that anger and all that sorrow is and was about a desire to understand where that came from. It's all just trying to teach you. And, and you said earlier that all the practitioners here have been through the school, and the reason for that is that what you just kind of said. Oh, it is, and what we need is, I want to know before you come to work with us, do you have a desire to understand who you are? I don't care if we get there, because we can't. And because we're such, one of the reasons we are such a strong community is that we all have the same language here. We all have been through the same sort of studies. So we're, you and I are having staffing with the other 13 of us in the morning. We meet frequently and often for a couple of hours and everybody can has a common knowledge and understanding of what we're trying to say. And then we are holding that intent, or as the center of this I am, that we all stay focused on the greater good of the client 
and of service than to ourselves. And that doesn't mean we're self-sacrificing. It means we know where our focus is. And if I can be a better servant, if I know myself better, that's where I'll put my attention. And as healers, and when we're working with our clients on an individual uh, basis, then the better I know myself and the, the more open I can be energetically with my client. Yes. So I'm, you can say this better than that. You said it very well. Um, so when they're presenting something to me, the more I understand myself, the more I can understand them. And I guess if I'm, if I, if I work through some of my stuff, then my stuff is not getting in the way of their yes. stuff. Yes. And there's a lot more to it than that. But also so I can, well, you say it. Well, say the, the, the theory of what I teach is that I don't heal. Presence heals. So a healer in the estuary is able to... To be present. Yes. And I, I can't be present if I've got a bunch of junk going on. Not to say that some days I don't, but I can be aware of mine. I've and learned how to be aware of it, and yes, then I can have. say, is this mine or is this theirs? Correct. And you are able and have the good conscience and the good consciousness to be aware that anywhere that I don't know about myself, I will help my client not know themselves, and I won't know I'm doing it. And we, since we can't all know, no human can fully know who they are in terms of all of our blocks and hidden spots and unconsciousness, it, we're always aware as practitioners here at the estuary that we might need for them to do healing bowls with Lucy and see one of you guys for psychotherapy and another person for some life coaching, and that many rivers all flow together to keep one canoe afloat, and that's our client. And that's our, we all understand that, and help each other. I know, that. and it's hard, to under, it's hard to explain for me when people say, what is the estuary? Because it's so many things, um, the practitioners here are in private practice, but we all work together, and we are a family, and we we staff together, we we study together, um, and we're separate, and we're together, and we work with each other, and we send clients to each other to have that yes comprehensive, integrative. Yes, well, I just using that metaphor. I, and you're sitting under a picture of an estuary, so there we go. I like to think of, <laughs> it's all flowing in your hands. I like to think of a lot, many canoes floating at that. Everyone here, including yourself, is in private practice. So we, nobody gets a paycheck but our administrator, not even me. No one gets a paycheck, but we have one check. And everybody has their own practice, their own accounting to do, their own taxes to file. Everybody's in private practice. 
but we take our little individual business and plunk it down in one stream of consciousness that holds us up. And we have to keep communicating with each other so it fulfills your desire for community, it fulfills your desire for service, and it fulfills your desire for learning and for classes and for community. And it's never meant to exclude any other school or any other church or any other way to do any of that. It's in support of that. So our prim my primary goal was education and that we would provide a way to embody whatever our spiritual practices were, whatever, whatever our educational practices whatever our primary way of wanting to be in service was. So that we would have one body, but many limbs, like a tree, if you like will. A tree. Like a the tree. The tree of life. The tree, oh, gee, I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> yes, like a tree of life. We have many, many aspects, and everybody doesn't do the same thing, but they all have the same centering philosophy goal, and that is to, to provide a place of sanctuary and self-knowledge and spiritual wholeness for our, in which our clients can grow, our students and our clients can grow. And that's what I think we're doing really well. Well, tell us about the nonprofit piece of the estuary. So I have a practice. And even the School of Healing Arts is for practice. It's not really an estuary program. It's located at the estuary. And that's all under an umbrella of an LLC that Lindy and I, my husband and I, operate. And Lindy is a, is not, is a therapist a here. an addictions counselor. And, uh, and he has a LADAC. And he has a LADAC, and he is um, studying Kabbalah, just like the rest of us. So. We're all under this, uh, we have this larger umbrella of the estuary that holds us up. And then when you get in Lindy and I's canoe, it has an LLC <laughs> that is our business that all money flows into that he and I make and that go into the business aspect that is taxable. And the estuary itself is supported either by rent from our, our service providers or by donations, and we have very generous donors. So there, that is part of what my contribution to the estuary is, is that making sure we stay funded, and we have for 22 years. So. And what are those services that you provide under that? Under the estuary? We have a holistic health service where people with any kind of autoimmune disease that needs a lot of care from a lot of practitioners can come at no fee. We have support groups, we have healers, we have counseling, whatever we need to do. So that's one, that those, those, donator, donation, those donors, oh, got my mouth going faster every time, those donors can, um, contribute and they get tax benefits and have, again, a lot of very generous people in this community that do that. 
Oh, and I know we participate in the, uh, the what is it, the uh, payback, the day in We do May, the payback in yeah. May. and um, That's like with the community foundation. And we write grant, we write grant requests and every year. And we receive so grants. We yeah, receive some grants. Yes. And we also have Estuary Cares, it was a very original title, which is since everybody's in this practice for fee, uh, service for fee, then there are people who can't afford to come, and I use that grant money through the estuary to provide services if people, if everybody takes so many of these estuary cares clients, we don't have. It's like a sliding scale. Like a sliding scale, yes. It, available so many slots a year. They're frequently off-filled. So. And so you would fill out an application yes. or need some kind of qualifications yes. for that. And you may have to wait. Because if uh, each, each practitioner takes a bunch, and then when they say, that's it, I can't take any more on that thing. We don't have any practitioners right now that do insurance. so. That's why so I that kind of estuary care helps because of yes, yes, not yeah. No one takes insurance. No one takes insurance at this point. We have had practitioners that did, but we don't have anyone at this point. So we have licensed therapists under marriage and family, under licensed clinical, under LPC. We have licensed therapists. We have those that are just working as uh, psychological counselors without necessarily having the licensure, that have all had training, or we have healers that may have gone through healing school, and then, of course, we have coaches, and we have a nutritionist that's here that helps with the holistic health program. All these people have trained for at least six years in the School of Healing Arts. And you've also started a life coaching certification, correct? Oh, gosh, I forgot all about that. I know, you're trying to, you're trying to help <laughs> I'm you. I'm everything here. Oh, we are so excited about that. We've graduated two classes that now come to a mastermind class. It's a fantastic combination of four teachers. There were, there's three coaches, a healer, two healers, so one of them overlaps in those two categories. So uh, we have three really fine mastermind certified coaches and me. And I just sit there and don't come prepared and say whatever hits the top of my head and ruins their little agendas and speaks about it as pure presence or what the energy factors are, so you learn coaching technique, energy, chakra work, how to do presence, how to do metaphor, and how to run a business. It's a fantastic study in person, right here in Nashville, Tennessee. And how, how long is it? 17 weeks, two hours a week, usually Tuesdays, four to six, and we got a new one starting February 18th. There you go. Mm -hmm. And then you have the School of Healing Arts, so you've got the You've got classes right now with the Auric healing. healing. I've got a new class starting Wednesday. So it's a three-hour monthly. Every four weeks you meet for three hours training. 
of the first year we go through the chakras and what are they and how do you know what energy what is. What are chakras? Chakras are vortexes of energy. <laughs> Good question. You threw that one in on me. <laughs> well, I think you know what they are. <laughs> you thought That's I could answer that. <laughs> They are, it's a good question for those listening, it's a vortex of energy that uh, we have many chakras throughout our human form, but there are seven major chakras, and that's just an energy vortex in our human body that feeds our energetic body, which is a three foot around the, uh, and a big bubble all the way around us and under our feet and over the top of our head. And we're vibrating this energy every moment. So if we were tuned in enough as humans, when I got in the car to leave here for today, or I was had my intention to like drive to work, if one of you were here and tuned in, you could have gone, Susan's on the road. If animals can do that automatically, they can read that that fine energy. I'm fascinated. Can I tell about the turtle at your house? Yes. <laughs> fascinated. Because how old is he? He's Spike is at least 22. I'm really not sure how old, but at least 20 years old, and I think about 22. And I think about, you know, turtles can live hundreds of years. I don't know if years will, but they can. Well, I don't know. And you're afraid he will. <laughs> and uh, I like, I, you know, I, when I'm over there, I like to watch your turtle. It's like, I love the ancientness of that, the, the awareness without necessarily the cognition. I have no way of knowing. But I know they know something. What is it? And the fascination with that. And all, all living life, whether it's a blade of grass or anything, has some sort of an energy system that can be photographed. We do know that for certain science has shown. That, that if we were to, sometimes if we cut the leaf of a plant and could use an energy cam camera and photograph that art field, what happens is that that plant is still vibrating as if that leaf was whole. Okay, so what's important about that? Why, why, why is energy important for us? Or, or why do we study the, the chakras? I mean, what, how does that help? How does that help me study? Oh, that's a damn good question. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> why do I want to sign up for <laughs> or a healing Trying to help me here, aren't Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, because we have a sensitivity that is desiring to receive that you are born with. And the more we study as many things that can help open that sensation, our senses, to that desire, the more we're going to know who we are, which senses we are more attuned with, and the more knowledge we have about ourselves, the more we can receive, and the more we can receive, the more we are one in this beautiful experience of God. And our emotional system is, is part is of attached that, to this. Our emotion, our physical. So if we're having healing around that, then then 
your practitioner at the estuary and in many other places, by the way, we're not the only ones that can do that, are very lined up with the energy system. So I sort of push those all together in the auric healing. The name of that class that we might go back to is Defining My Gifts. Oh, yes, that was how it started. Really? It was that way for 10 years. And we're thinking about just going back into using that because people don't know what auras are. No. But when they come into this study, they begin to know all of my bodies. I have a human body, an emotional body, and a spiritual body that is the chakras and the energy field and sensate perception, which is like little animals with our little antenna going. So we, we sell ourselves so short, we, we don't do. realize how Especially complicated and complex we are. It's human beings. I mean, it, it, mm -hmm. you, I don't know how, and the how you can't believe that there's something greater than us when you start to study us and see how complicated we are God. ourselves and the world. And the world. And we're in tune with all of it. We're in tune with all of it all the time. Even when we're asleep, it's like, really? Really? And it's, we're incredibly interesting for that reason. And when we go by our bodies, our physical body needs Western medicine. I believe that. And I appreciate that. It did me a lot of good in 2013. And all of the psychotherapy I have, the medicine of the energy body is psychotherapy. And I am so grateful for every day I spent trying to understand myself, and by the way, still do. I have a therapist, I get help. Well, I, I, this is what I say to my clients. If you ever have been to anyone, if you're going to see anyone for therapy, the first question you should ask is, do you ask your therapist that they have a therapist? Yes. If they don't, get up and leave. Yes, right. <laughs> Run. Right. Run. Or if they say, I don't need that anymore. <laughs> because. If, they, if, if you're growing, you're growing. And if you're evolving, you're evolving. And that's very important to me. So getting, uh, and then our spiritual body needs chakra study and receiving study and how to clear out and enhance my spiritual body. It needs the medicine of energy work and healers and massage and therapy and well, and just to make clear, too, because I think a lot of times you hear when you're talking about uh, chakras and it, is that you, you have to clear everything out and line everything up. Now, sometimes they those can. need to be closed, right? They need to be closed. You cannot have all your chakras open all the time. You we would need be protection. Too, you'd be too vulnerable. So it's okay for them to open and close like a magic music machine all day long because you are in vulnerable positions and you need to not be so exposed or you are talking on a microphone and you, and you like we are feeling we were, we were talking about before we started how this was a little nerve-wracking nerve-wracking yeah it is it, it is. is so we were closing certain chakras and like a calliope or a trumpet player he's he's they are opening and closing certain chambers and that's 
to get a certain status. That's like, misconception. It's like, you need to be open yeah. all the time. Yeah. It's like, no, because things are dangerous. I mean, you know, life is dangerous. There's times when things yes. need to be yes. closed and things need to be open. Yes. And, and but knowing how that's operating and trusting that is part of self-trust. I'm wondering what, what, if we missed anything, because there's so much here. I mean, I feel like we could talk for hours, but is there something that we haven't said that you would like to say? Oh, or tell us think. about yourself or that estuary or, I don't know, the world. <laughs> the future. Um, for me, and I hope for everyone that I teach and work with and study with and come in presence with, this is the light, this is the way. Everybody finds their own way, but I am in such gratitude and to the point of teary to have this doorway so opened to me and I get so excited I just want to share all the time and that's a little boring for a lot of people I know that because I it just feels like I am in such thrilling and excitement and I'm a grandmother with an 18 year old grandson and a 13 year old grandson and to feel this delighted with life and the richness with life, I wouldn't deny anybody the opportunity to feel that way. And using chemicals or having a, an affair is one way <laughs> to have a momentary experience of that. But how would you like to go in and out of that all day, every day, for the rest of your life. That's what I call living. High on life. High on life, I am. I am. And you are. This is not a this no, is not you a know job. Me. No. Yeah, I do. I do. Mm -hmm. And it, it is a passion. I don't even the passion just doesn't even seem it's like big enough word. Right. Yes. This this is a path that and I'm sharing it with other people. Yes. Know, well you have deep I don't have the only path. Every person that even works here and every client that comes here has their own path. And we are trying to walk it. And I want you to walk your path, not my path. But I want you to love it, whatever it is. And I'll help you. I hope you find yours. And you will. And if you would like, <laughs> if you would like to get some help from the estuary or Susan or the other practitioners here, um, I think the best way to start is just to go on the estuary.org. Yes, www.theestuary. Be sure you put in tees.org, and the School of Healing Arts will come up, as well as the estuary, or you can call the front office, 615-467-6462. There you go. <laughs> There's so many other, and we, we have, all of our practitioners do workshops, have classes. Yes. There's there's a lot going Every on here. Every weekend is packed here. And from classes in Jungian dream work to getting in touch with your intuition to getting your happy on or how to 
work the science of life, finding yourself through the Enneagram. We have got so much hopping here, and many of those are free, and all of them are at a nominal cost. Come. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Stephanie. What an I'm, honor. I'm so honored that you're my first guest. <laughs> Good luck. This is fun. Yeah, it's been very fun. Thank it's you. Fun. This project would not be possible without the help of my son, Addison Armstead, who composed the intro and outro music, my son-in-law, Scott Greer, for the logo he designed, and my friend, Amy Christiansen, who wrote and edited various texts to the show. Lastly, I want to thank you, the listener, for whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. <laughs>